Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Forensic Files. I'm Dr. N. Today, I want to focus on one case, the death of Kaylee Anthony, Casey Anthony's daughter. I'll cover the details of the case and take the perspective of a forensic psychologist to evaluate the evidence. Any conclusions I draw are purely my opinion and may very well conflict with the outcome of the case. Kaylee Marie Anthony was born on August 9th in 2005. She lived with her mother, Casey, and Casey's parents, Cindy and George. The identity of Kaylee's father has never been revealed. This is the first interesting piece of this case. Casey says she will never reveal the identity of Kaylee's biological father. Much of the confusion in this case comes from all the lies Casey tells throughout the investigation. Before we get into that, let's start with what actually happened. Casey's parents claim Casey left their house on June 16, 2008 with Kaylee. They did not see their granddaughter for 31 days after that, despite asking Casey to bring her to visit. Casey claimed she was too busy with work in Tampa, Florida to visit her parents. She also claimed Kaylee was with a nanny and gave her mother many different excuses throughout the month as to why she couldn't bring her to visit. After a month, Casey's parents found out her car had been towed and impounded, and her father went to get it. George noticed a particularly terrible smell emanating from the car when he went to pick it up. The only contents of the trunk of the car was a bag of trash. An interesting anecdote is that both George and the employee at the tow yard later described the smell as that of a decomposing body. It's interesting because we really can't know if they had that thought in the moment or if they attributed that smell to a decomposing body after finding out Kaylee had died. Also, how many people have actually smelled a decomposing body? I might put a poll on Instagram for that. On July 15, 2008, Cindy reported Kaylee missing, the same day George retrieved Casey's car. Casey confirmed with the 911 operator that Kaylee had been missing for 31 days. Almost immediately into the investigation, there were discrepancies. Detectives were incredibly suspicious of Casey because her story didn't make sense, and it kept changing. Casey claimed the nanny she had mentioned to her parents had kidnapped Kaylee. This nanny, whose name was Zanny, was actually a real person, but when investigators approached Zanny, she said she'd never met any member of the Anthony family. So there was no nanny. Casey also claimed she had been working at Universal Studios for several years, a lie even her parents had believed. Casey never told anyone she'd been fired and pretended like she still worked there. Casey was arrested on July 16, 2008, and charged with giving false statements, child neglect, and obstruction of a criminal investigation. A meter reader reported on three separate occasions in August about seeing a suspicious object in the forested area near the Anthony residence. When he finally got police to come check out the tip, they did a cursory search and didn't report finding anything. It wasn't until December 11th when the same meter reader called police again that they did a thorough search and found the remains of a child in a trash bag. So four months went by 
before police actually found anything. Now, some people believe the meter reader actually moved the trash bag so that the police could find it when they came back in December, but that has never been corroborated. The police found duct tape hanging from hair attached to a skull, which still had a bit of tissue present. The search continued for four days where more bones were found in the wooded area near the spot that the bag was initially found by police. On December 19th, the medical examiner confirmed the remains belonged to Kaylee and ruled the death a homicide with an undetermined cause of death. There were 400 pieces of evidence in this case. 400. When processing Casey's car, they performed an air sampling procedure specifically in the trunk, which showed chemical compounds that were consistent with a decompositional event. Investigators also noted that the trunk smelled of a decomposing body, though human decomposition was not specified on the lab scale. This is important. Something decomposed in the trunk, but the test didn't indicate that it was human. Another important finding was that they found evidence of chloroform in the trunk of the car. Investigators released the Google search history on a computer that Casey had access to, which included search terms such as neck breaking and how to make chloroform. The question here is, who else had access to that computer? I assume her parents, since it was in their house. And the search for chloroform led to a website that offered information on its uses in the 19th century. So there are plenty of places to poke holes in the search history evidence. Most people know Casey got off on the murder charges, specifically first-degree murder, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and aggravated child abuse. But she was found guilty on four other counts, misdemeanors, related to providing false information to law enforcement. These lies included her employment history with Universal Studios, having left Kaylee with a nanny, informing two employees at Universal Studios that Kaylee had disappeared, and claiming she had received a phone call and actually spoke with Kaylee in July. All of those were lies. The judge disagreed with the defense that the sentencing should be based on one count of lying, which would have meant her sentences would be concurrent for all four counts. Basically, that just means that they would all be served at the same time and not one after the other. The judge ruled the sentences would be served consecutively because he saw them as four distinct lying events. The maximum sentence for these counts being one year in county jail and a thousand dollar fine for each count. She was released 10 days after the sentencing arguments since she earned 1,043 days of credit for time served, plus more credit, around 400 days, for good behavior. So what does this mean? Well, the jury believed she lied to the police about her employment and made up the story about a babysitter, and even pretended to have spoken with her daughter. Even though all of that is incredibly incriminating if you supposedly didn't know what happened to Kaylee, it doesn't prove she was responsible for her death. But why would she lie if she had nothing to do with it? If she truly didn't play a part in her daughter's disappearance and murder, which I personally highly doubt, what was her motivation to lie? 
there are some witnesses who claimed Casey was a chronic liar and others who believed she even had a personality disorder. We all respond differently to grief, so if she wasn't responsible for Kaylee's death, she could have fabricated a string of lies to hide her own guilt. There could have been a tragic accident, and instead of seeking immediate help, Casey could have tried to cover it up out of a fear of getting in trouble. Now, I don't think that that's a reasonable explanation for what happened, but it is a possibility. Now, back to the point about her possibly having a personality disorder, there were witnesses who claimed that she was a compulsive liar and that she manipulated those around her to get what she wanted. Now, this doesn't mean she was a murderer, and as I've talked about before, many serial killers and murderers do show signs of narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders. However, not everyone exhibiting those characteristics is a murderer. It could explain some of her perplexing behaviors following the disappearance of her daughter. Her boyfriend and her boyfriend's roommate didn't really get any sense that there was anything wrong when she was around after Kaylee disappeared, and she never mentioned it to them. They only noted that they hadn't seen Kaylee in a while, and Casey seemed to have a lot of different excuses for not bringing her around. But that complete disconnect of feelings and not having a strong reaction to having a missing child could stem from a lack of empathy. Again, this is separate from not feeling remorse for harming someone. Even if Kaylee's death was an accident, Casey's actions reflect someone who is highly narcissistic, manipulative, and lacking consideration for others, mainly her daughter. I don't believe Casey committed first-degree murder, personally. I don't think it was premeditated if it happened. I think she was involved and should have been held responsible for the death of her daughter. Even if her actions didn't directly lead to Kaylee's death, I do believe her negligence and disregard for the safety of her daughter did lead to her death. These aren't outside the realm of possibility, but Casey may have had other motives to kill her daughter. She was a young mother and never, as I mentioned earlier, revealed the identity of Kaylee's father. Casey relied pretty heavily on her parents for help raising Kaylee and seemed to want to be a carefree young woman, not a single mom. It's possible the pregnancy wasn't wanted, and Cindy, Casey's mom, could have encouraged her to keep Kaylee. Casey may have held resentment toward her mom for making her keep Kaylee and give up the lifestyle that she wanted. There's a theory that Casey is the one who searched for the chloroform recipes, though her mom did admit in court that she was the one who looked it up, but I'm not convinced she didn't say that just to protect Casey as a way of sedating her daughter. She could have wanted to stay with her boyfriend, but didn't want to bring Kaylee or maybe couldn't bring her for some reason that the boyfriend never mentioned in any interviews. So she may have sedated her and left her in the car only to find her dead the next day. This is, again, pure speculation, but a believable act of negligence, especially given a lot of the behaviors that she was known to engage in regarding her daughter. One thing that doesn't make sense is that if Kaylee did kill her daughter, whether it was intentional or not, why would her parents corroborate her lies? 
Sometimes families stick together even when they're faced with the uncomfortable truth as a way of denying it. Maybe her parents didn't want to believe they raised someone capable of murder. Maybe they felt partially responsible. The protective instinct can be quite strong, even though it does a disservice to their granddaughter. We may never know what really happened to Kaylee or why, which is the real tragedy in this whole story. But I'm really interested to hear about your thoughts and your theories and what you think really happened. Thank you for listening to episode 22. I know it was pretty short, but I kind of want to do a little bit more of this style um, of going through one case, kind of a deeper dive, and looking at the, the evidence and kind of examining it from a different perspective. And because they're shorter, maybe, and I this might be too, too big of a commitment right now, but maybe doing more than one of these a week um, and just see how that goes and, and see if I have time for that. Um, I do all of this podcast by myself. And as much as I would love to put out more content with my full-time job, it's it's pretty difficult just to get one episode out. But I think it would be manageable to do a couple shorter episodes every week. So let me know what you think about that. And whether you like this episode, drop me a line, the email, theforensicfilespod at gmail.com, or leave a comment on the Instagram post at theforensicfilespod. Let me know what you think. If you want to support this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. You can listen to The Forensic Files on the website at the-forensic-files.captivate.fm, which is linked in the episode notes. You can also listen anywhere else you get podcasts. All episode content was researched, written, and produced by me, Dr. N. All music you hear in the episode was written and produced by me and classical composer Jeffrey Young. Thank you.